Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Here's a commentary to tell us that 120,000 of them died at that time. Remember, the Midianites had an army of 135,000. So 120,000 are now dead. 15,000 are now still alive. 15,000 men. And then Gideon in verse 11, he went up by the road of those who dwell in tents on the east of Norba and that place. And he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. When Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them and he took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and he routed the whole army. Notice that. Remember, this is the same Gideon. This is what I find amazing. The same Gideon who was hiding in the wine press. And he says, I am not a man of valor. I am, you know, I I can't beat an army. That's where he was. But here it is two chapters later, and we see he's bold in the things of God. God has shored him up and strengthened him. And Gideon says, when I come back, I'm going to tear up some stuff. And this leader and 299 men killed 120,000 Midianites, 15,000 of them on the run. And Gideon went up to Norba and attacked the army while the camp felt secure. We don't have time for this, but you could really just ponder that verse. Ponder that verse. What does that tell us? Never get settled, never get secure. You see that? It says, While the camp felt secure, that's when he attacked. Isn't that when Satan will attack us, when we feel secure? Absolutely. You know, I love my family. I love my wife. I love my grandkids. I love my friends. I love this church. But but I got to have a sword in one hand. Remember, I'm still in the war. I'm still in the battle and never feel secure. I don't feel secure. God has done a great work in this church. I have everything a pastor could ever want. Everything. Honestly, I feel more blessed than I ever thought I ever deserved. I never thought that I would ever. All of this, Lord, thank you. But I don't feel secure. God could say to me tomorrow, Rodney, pack it up. It's time to go. And I need to say, yes, Lord. You see, that's the only answer for the Lord, by the way. No and Lord do not go in the same sentence. You understand? Say amen. All right, good. Yes, Lord. Yes, sir. That's what we do in the military. Yes, sir. That's all you say when God tells you to do something. 
We don't ever, ever, ever want to get to the place where we feel secure. Don't allow yourself to feel secure. Then Gideon, the son of Joash in verse 13, returned from the battle from the accent of Herez. And he caught a young man of the men of Sukkoth and he interrogated the man. And he wrote down for him the leaders of Sukkoth and its elders, 77 men. Then he came to the men of Sukkoth and said, Here are Zeba and Zamona, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zamona now in your hand that you should give me bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and the thorn, just like he said he would do, took the elders. See, you got to be a man of your word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say you're going to kill somebody, you got to kill them. You know what I mean. All right. (laughs) So he took the elders in verse 16 of the city and the thorns of the wilderness and briars. And with them, he taught the men of Sukkoth. In other words, he killed them. And he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of that city. And he said to Zeba and Zamona, what kind of men were, were they whom you killed at Tabor? And so they answered, as you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. I like that. We should resemble the son of the king. We should resemble Jesus. And then he said in verse 19, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. And he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise and kill them. But the youth, Jether, would not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still young. So Ziba and Zamona said, rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed them and took the crescent ornaments that were on the camel's neck. That, my friend, is fascinating. Notice in verse 18, Gideon is trying to find out whether these guys were the ones who killed his brother at Tabor. And when he realized it was them, he gave him a death sentence. He turned to his oldest son, Jether, and he said, kill him. Jether was young. Jether was afraid. And so Gideon killed them with the sword. And then he took, did you see that? He takes the crescent ornament off the neck, the crescent ornament off the crescent ornaments. Off the necks of the camels. What does that tell us? It's interesting. The Muslim crescent moon is right here in chapter 8. Isn't that fascinating? So that tells us the God Allah was being worshipped in the days of Gideon, just like he was worshipped and is worshipped today among the Muslims. And it also tells us that if God's people would have completely obeyed him and completely wiped out their enemies, there would have never been a September 11th Twin Towers. We would never have lost three, 4,000 people. There never would have been the, 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 the plane crash at the Pentagon if the people of God would have obeyed God and wiped out their enemies like God told them to, and they didn't. And now Gideon takes the crescent moon off the necks of the camels. Fascinating. Notice in verse 22, then the men of Israel said to Gideon, now here we go, Gideon, here we go. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, 
rule over us. But you and your sons, both you and your sons, and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, this is a great thing. I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Notice that. They said, Gideon, you're a leader. You're strong. You're powerful. Why don't you establish a dynasty? Your sons, your grandsons. Why don't you establish a dynasty and rule over us? And Gideon says, not going to do it. He says, no. Only God and God alone is to rule over you. There will be no monarchy because God is your king. Now, there's a lot of congregations that are ruled by elders. I was doing my homework today. In the early 70s, there was, and perhaps you remember this, there was a movement known as the shepherding movement. And the shepherding movement basically was a movement of authoritarians. They ruled over the people. The shepherding movement, these leaders, they said that they were your covering and you need to be in submission to them and them alone. So if you wanted to take a job or you wanted to marry someone or you wanted to buy a house or you wanted to buy a car or any of these things, you had to first go to the elders of the church who ruled over the people and they had to give you permission. It's true. They ruled over the people. Now, does this mean that because God is to rule over us that there's to be no authority in the church? Absolutely not. God has also established authority in the church with pastors and elders and deacons and leadership, and we are to be in submission to that. I am to be in submission to my pastor. I always have, and as God gives me grace, I always will. But only God is to rule over you. God and God alone is to rule over you. If, if a person comes to this church and you're a wolf, we will beat you and kick you out. <laughs> Amen. We're supposed to protect the sheep. And if you are a wounded sheep, you come here, we'll pick you up and seek to get you healed. And if you're a strong Christian, we're going to be the first to shake you up and get you excited and get you out on the battlefield. But we are not here to rule over you. God is the only ruler. It is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. You see, here at Calvary Chapel, we don't have any desire to rule over you, get you signed up, get you locked into our membership. Because we don't desire to rule over you. And we're just trying to help you. We're just trying to help you get close to the Lord. We're trying to help you to learn about the Lord and to love the Lord. And we're trying to help you to have the joy of the Lord, like Paul said, but not to rule over you. Yes, we're to be submitted one to another. And yes, it's my job to help you understand the plan and the purpose of God through the word of God. But the end is that God might rule over you. Not Rodney, not Charles, not Bill, not any man. It's all about Jesus. It's not about hanging out with the right people. It's not about being around the pastor and having dinner once a month with the pastor. And all of these kinds of things that people like to elevate and exalt people to some position of, you know, oh, they're the holy ones. 
ones and we are just commoners and peasants and, you know, oh, if I can just hang out with them and be with the right people, then, you know, there's not anything about that. What is wrong with the church? What is wrong with people? Exalting people and lifting people up and, oh, you got the bishops and the prophets and everybody has a title. I don't understand it. Nobody's to rule over anybody. It's all about Jesus. Amen, saints? It's all about Jesus. That's why when people leave Calvary Chapel and they go to another fellowship, if I see them in the supermarket, they don't have to run down a different aisle. Would y'all go tell them, please, go tell them. Yeah, what's run down a different aisle? Oh, Pastor Roddy's near the baked beans. I better go down to bread, you know? And so, you know, and I'll, I'll chase them down. Hey, man, we, hey, 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 come here, come here, man. Come here, how you doing? How's it going? Long time no see. Been in church? Yeah, pastor. Well, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I decided I'm not going to go to Calvary Chapel anymore because, oh, stop right there. Are you going to church? Yes. Are you going to a Bible teaching church? Yes. Do they love Jesus? Yes. Do they treat you nice? Yes. Good. Praise the Lord. What's your pastor's name? I'll call him and we'll have lunch. That's not me, y'all. That is not me because I'm not ruling over anybody. I don't desire to rule over you. I have no thoughts of ruling over you. I can't even rule Rodney. I most certainly can't rule you. You can't rule you either. Say amen. amen. You don't know what you're doing. brother in the back going, amen, brother, go and preach now. (laughs) No one should rule over anyone. We're all called to serve the Lord in humility. The arrogance and the pride and the pompousness from some preachers and pastors and people, I'm up to here with it. Nobody's humble anymore. You are what you are by the grace of God. Get over yourself. And how about humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God? And what about humility? Can we spell that? Humility. God is an awesome, awesome God, and God chooses to use us. God can work without us. There should have been way more amens than that. God, God can work without us. I, 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 you know, it was this one little, um, little quote or ditty, and I like it. It's just real simple. It says this, isn't it odd that a being like God who sees the facet still loves the clod he made out of sod? Now, isn't that odd? In other words, we're just a piece of dirt. And isn't it odd that a being like God who sees the facet still loves the clod he made out of sod? Isn't that odd? Yes, it is. And because he made you, you should humble yourself under his mighty hand. Get over yourself. And love God and serve God and love God's people and stop all this stuff. Don't, if God uses your life, don't, don't let Satan puff you up in pride. Remember the five I wills in Isaiah 14, 14 to 12. 
14. 14? Yeah, 14. Now, Gideon's a man of God, yes, but he's still a man. Notice what happens in verse 24. Notice, notice, then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder, for they have gold in earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And so they answered, we will gladly give them to you. And they spread out a garment and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now, the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. That's approximately 70 pounds of gold, by the way, you guys. It's a lot of gold. Besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes, which were on the kings, which were on the kings of Midian, and besides the chains that were around their camels' necks. Then Gideon made it into... Now, here... Here, here's where the problem is. Then Gideon did what? What did he do, you guys? He made it into an ephod, and he set it up. Sound familiar? He took the gold and made something. Aaron, sound familiar? He made it into an ephod, and he set it up in his city in Oprah, like in Winfrey. And all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. And thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Notice Gideon said, I won't be your king, but this is what you can do. Give me your golden earrings. And they willingly gave him the gold. And he took the gold and he made an ephod. What is an ephod? An ephod was a vest that was worn by the high priest. And so he makes an ephod of of gold. It's kind of over the top, actually. I mean, this big ephod, a vesture made of solid gold, and he put it in his city, Oprah, or Ophrah, actually. And all of Israel played the harlot with it. Isn't that sad? And it became a snare to Gideon and his house. And Gideon did what Aaron did. He said, give me your gold, and let's make something to worship. Isn't it amazing to you how one minute we could be really spiritual, and the next minute we could be, like, really in the flesh? Do you find that? Odd. I do. I mean, we could be in church, like worshiping God and, you know, just lifting our hands and singing to God and closing our eyes. And the peace of God that passes understanding is ruling our hearts and minds. And we're all caught up in the spirit. We're glowing. We're levitating. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And then we walk out the door and, you know, somebody cuts us off in traffic. You blockhead, you idiot. I wait till I catch you. I'm going to hit your car. How do we go like right out of the spirit into the flesh? I mean, some of us don't even wait to get like in traffic. We're right out of the church parking lot. You know, the person was sitting next to you about to have a fight with them. It's unbelievable. What happens? You're in the spirit one minute and the next minute you're in the flesh. You're in Bible study one minute. The next minute you're in the flesh. Why? Well, I think the Bible's very clear that there's a battle going on between your flesh and your spirit. There's a war going on. You can't ever forget that. Don't get too secure. There's a war going on in your flesh and your spirit. The Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
And here we see that in Gideon. One minute he's humble, loving God, doing what's right, saying, I'm not going to rule over you. I'm not going to take God's glory. And now he's making something to worship and setting up an idol for the people to worship. How sad it is. One minute you're in the flesh, next minute you're in the spirit. You know, today, something happened to me today. I got to tell you about it. I got on Glenwood and I was hungry. I mean, this is like supernaturally natural here. I, you know, was hungry and I had a taste for bourbon chicken. And I uh, just thought you might need to know that. So I, you know, I thought, now where can I get some bourbon chicken? You know, that, that's good stuff, you know. So I'm right there by the mall. And I said, well, you know what? There's a food court upstairs. And there's like four or five places that have really good stuff. So I went in the mall to get some bourbon chicken. I had to take care of a few things really quick and come on out. I'm standing in the mall just about to get my bourbon chicken. I was actually on the phone. And, and this guy walked up to me. And he says, and he, I'm on the phone like this, and the guy comes up from behind me, and he, and he sticks his head around, and he says, Pastor Rodney? And I turn around and looked at him. He goes, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then he looked at me again, and he said, Pastor Rodney, that's you? And I said, yeah, and the guy was on the phone. I was like, hey, call you back. You know what I mean? He hung up the phone. And I said, um, yeah. I said, yeah, hi, how are you? And he goes, remember me? Remember me? I'm the guy that, that was in prison, and you came to see me. Six years ago. And he said, I got to tell you. And, and he said, I got to tell you. His boys were with him, you know. His boys were with him, you know what I mean? And, and he says, I got to tell you. He said, you, you know, you sent me a book. And you, you sent me a book. You preached and people got saved. And you went back to your church and you sent me a book. He says, and I read that whole book. And over the last five years, I read it over and over and over again. He had five years in prison there. And he read it over and over again. And he said, and, and that book changed my life. And your ministry changed my life. And then he said, and then I said, well, hey, well, hey, let's sit down, you know. So we sat down and he told his boys, you know, come back later. And I'm like, good. And uh, so, you know, we sat down and, and, and he said, you know, they were all thugged out. You know what I mean? And, and you know, and, you know, he said, they said, he sat down, you know, and I was talking to him and he said, yeah, this is what happened with my life. And, and then I got, got out, of, out of prison and he said that, um, and he said, uh, and then I, um, I was out for about a year and I, and I went back, I went back in because I committed another crime. And he said, I went back in. He said, and this time, he said, now here it is like in the, in the sixth year. And he said, and this time they sent me to a prison in Raleigh. CP, I don't really know what CP is, something, correction people or something. What's Central prison, there you go, that's what he said. And uh, I've never been there, so I would not know. Okay, maybe y'all know, but I don't. I've never been to prison, all right? So, <laughs> nobody has my fingerprints, all right? And so he said, and this time I went to CP. And, I, and he said, and I, and I was just, I had a radio, and I was listening to the radio. And he said, and I heard your voice, and I said, that's Pastor Roddy. And he started listening to the radio broadcast. And now he's out. And he said to me, he said, I don't know. He said, I don't know. I said, I love God, and I don't know about choice, and I don't know. One minute I want to love God, and, and I really want to love him, and, and, and I'm a Christian, and, and I'm, I want to serve him. And the next minute, I find myself in situations that I shouldn't be in. And I had an opportunity to tell him, you know what? You're not the only person like that. There's a guy named Gideon who had the same problem. He said, really? 
I said, yeah. So then his buddies came back up, you know. When they came, I really start preaching in. I start getting in, you know. And Jesus loves. Yeah, I'm right back. Give me some bourbon chicken now. And Jesus wants you, you know. And then so those boys, you know, so these boys were standing. They start standing behind me, you know. And I don't like people standing behind me when I don't know you. So they're standing back here. I'm preaching to him across the table. They're standing behind me, and I'm like. Look, y'all need to come around here, okay? Y'all need to come on over here. I said, who are they? Oh, these are my boys, Pastor Ronnie. I said, you know, why don't we all pray? Right there in the middle, everybody's around. I said, you know, these guys are like braids and, you know. I said, why don't we just, right now, let's all take each other's hand. And they were like. (laughs) Now bow your heads and your hearts. Jesus. (laughs) I said, amen, brothers. Amen, Pastor Ronnie. Amen. Amen. See y'all. Got his name. I try to call you and take you out to lunch or something. But see, God gives you opportunities. You got to stay on his schedule and stay on his time. And don't get all caught up in your thing. And yes, the the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. And we all have that struggle. And none of us ever will be free from that until we are in the presence of the Lord. And that's what I told them. Yeah, it's a matter of choice. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And you have victory. You just have to appropriate it. His name was Johnny. I said, you have to appropriate it, Johnny. Grab hold of the victory that God has already given you. And walk in that victory, Johnny. You can do it. Amen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.